Hi everyone, I'm Brett McDermott and this is Doing Big Things where we speak with thriving entrepreneurs and dive into the habits, systems, and mindset that are allowing them to thrive. Now today, I'm super excited because we're speaking with a man that's leading one of the top producing teams in Hoboken Real Estate, Homes by Bonk. He's an expert on systems, processes, and what it takes to scale a business. We fatefully met on the golf course a couple years back and I've learned a lot from him since that day. Whether you're an agent or you own a different type of business completely, we are all going to learn a lot today from Jeff Bonk. Thanks for being with us today, brother. Brett, thanks so much for having me, man. Appreciate it. It's anytime we get to spend together in a golf course or not on a golf course, you know, it's time well spent in my mind. So for sure. Thanks. Always better on a golf course, though. You said it. You <laughs> but, said but, it. but but this this is second best. Well, but yes. we'll we'll enjoy this all the same. So, and I remember when we first met and we were talking about real estate and what it was like to run a business. And I remember, you know, one thing you said to me is, you know, sure, you enjoy the tours and working in the business and things like that, but you really love working on the business, the yep. systems, the processes, the marketing. Like that's where you really, really thrive and what really gets you fired up. So. I just want to dive into that off the, the top because I know it's a passion of yours. Um, is there anything like systems or processes or marketing wise that you've implemented in the last year or so that's really been working for you and your team? Yeah, absolutely, man. That's a great question. Um, and I think there's, there's two things that really we've implemented and it's become it's because of a, uh, a byproduct of the market that we're in, right? Like we are in a market for a long time where people are just ready to go, right? Interest rates were low. Like find something, let me buy it, let's go. Like there was no need to really dig deep, uncover. Like it was a little easy, right? It was a little frothy for a few years. Sure. And I think over the last six, eight months when interest rates spiked, we had to look in the mirror and say like, hey, what are we doing? What are we not doing that we need to be doing that you know, was, was over undercover, you know, was, was being covered up by the frothiness of the market. And the first thing is I looked and I said like, our agents need a little bit more accountability. And someone said, accountability is the highest form of love, a coach that I, that I work closely with. And he said, if you're not holding your agents accountable, especially through hard times, they, that's what is going to help them thrive and grow and take market share when things get a little tough. Mm -hmm. So what we really started doing over the last six months is keeping track of numbers, reporting numbers, looking at the numbers and having meetings and having conversations around the numbers and really figuring out where the gaps are. Like if you're making enough calls, but not getting enough people on the phone, there's a gap there. If you're getting a lot of people on the phone, but you're not setting enough appointments, well, there's the gap. If you're setting enough appointments, but there's no contracts being written, well, there's the gap, right? And really looking at those numbers way more granularly than I think we needed to when it was like, throw leads in, call them, and deals came out, right? right. Like it was a little <laughs> bit easier. Like, and now we're, we're really going deep on uh, a real accountability, real numbers, real tracking, real systems, which I think is super important to do at all times, especially when times get a little bit leaner, a little bit tougher and markets get a little bit less frothy and, and less transactional volume out there for us to all go get. Um, sure. so that's one thing. It was, second, it was certainly frothy there for 18 months. No, no, no doubt about it. That, and but just before we move on to something else, yeah. I'm just, I just want to kind of dive into that because I think that was like really, really important stuff for people to hear, especially team leaders. Uh, accountability is a form of love. I like that a lot. And it seems like, at least from what you mentioned, maybe there's a couple more, the, the key performance indicators that you're tracking are calls, conversations, appointments, and contracts, or, or, or are there a couple more in there that you guys like to track and keep well, and, and talk about? Those are the main ones we track. And to be honest, like we're really just about conversations right now because sure. we realized like there's, there's importance on other sides of that spectrum, but if we're not getting the conversations, 
we don't even have enough to dive into to figure mm -hmm. out what the problem is. Right. Like, so that's really the key to that. And um, what is a, like, what is a conversation? What like it, it is the definition of a conversation, the way that you guys track them? We track it by a one minute conversation where at least there was a two way interaction where there was some type of dialogue. It wasn't a, it doesn't need 45 minutes could count. Right. If you had a great call and let's stick sure. there and we've got a ton of information but at least it's not a like not interested hang up, right? Like, right, that's, right, right. Hey, that's I, I, I saw you listed one, two, three, Banana Street. It's no longer on the market. Yeah, see it, click. That That's right. not a conversation. Exactly. <laughs> Although it's it's a conversation many of us have had. It's not one that we're going to count for key performance indicators. And these people that you and your agents are, are calling, um, are they FISBOs, expireds, past clients? Are they just, are you just circle prospecting homeowners? Like what, what's the target there? Yeah. So a little bit of everything. The, the main thing we do is we do a lot of internet lead generation. Um, okay. we work mostly in Hoboken, right? So we do a lot of SEO and a lot of pay-per-click, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of portal leads. And then we get leads off our listing, sign calls, things like that. So all those things funnel in and we really focus on those because they're that medium funnel person sure. where it's not, you know, top of funnel, cold calling, circle dialing, FISBO, which it would be lower funnel, but it's still a little bit of a tougher conversion ratio. And it's not bottom of funnel saying we're only going to call the people who came to our open houses or the referrals or our past clients that no like, no one like and trust us already. That's an easy, easy conversation. We found the most of our, our really meat potatoes comes from that middle of the funnel where they're in the early process, maybe three months out from making a decision and really getting out and looking at properties, but they're not attached to an agent yet. They're not committed to an agent. They don't have a good relationship yet. And that internet lead has really been the bread and butter for that part of the funnel. Cool. So just so, so the internet leads pay-per-click for the, for people in the audience that don't even really understand like what that means. Could you just kind of explain that on like a novice level? Yeah, for sure. So when we talk like, I'll break down the whole funnel, right? So we talk yeah, that'd about be great. the top of the funnel is like people that have no idea, no interest in real estate right now. We have no idea what they're doing and we're just calling them saying, Hey, we're a local realtor. Any chance you're looking to buy or sell or need, know someone who is, or mm -hmm. we have a buyer looking for your home, any chance you're looking to sell, right? No, no intent. And then the other end of the funnel are people on something like a Zillow on our website, on an open house, come and walk into an open house. And they're like, I want to see this property. I'm ready to go. I have enough knowledge of knowing what I want that I actually want to showing or ask questions about a particular property. And in the middle of the funnel, which is where these pay-per-click leads are, they're going on to Google or any search engine and going, Homes for sale in Hoboken, homes for sale in the Hudson T building, home for sale in Union City. So they have this medium level of intent where they're raising their hand, they're they're researching something. They're looking for some type of uh, particular information, but not ready to like raise my hand, take me to see this property tomorrow. So they're, they're kind of in discovery phase. So that's where we found our best, best um, chance to really get traction with people are right there because they don't have an agent yet. They're still kind of figuring things out. They might even be Googling agents in Hoboken right? sure. looking for a good agent and winding up on our website. So we pay money to Google and we also like do a lot of keyword optimization and do things that get us to rank high when they do those searches. They wind up on our webpage, look around for a little while and they're asked to register if they want to see more information or to speak to one of us or get, you know, get connected with us in some way. Um, and that's the, that's that bread and butter lead. Love that. Now, keyword optimization is certainly a term that a lot of business owners have heard and don't really know exactly what the hell to do with that. 
do you uh, do you do this yourself? Have you kind of outsourced this to like an SEO expert? Like who actually implements this system for you guys? Yeah, so we've outsourced to a few different experts over the years who've kind of continued to build and iterate on top of each other. And we also have a marketing person in-house who is not a 100% SEO uh, expert and that's not her specialty, but she knows enough that she continued to keep things fresh and keep us ranking up. And also we just create like a lot of content, our YouTube content and all the things that we post, our blogs and things like that naturally will bring us up in the SEO and help us boost up to higher on the list when people do go search some of those keywords that we're really focused on. Things like Hoboken, things like Realtor, things like Hudson T Building, which is one of our main you know, farms that we do a lot of work inside of where we really want to own the mind share there and we want to become that hopefully default person that people sure. think about when they think about those markets. Sure, sure. And when you're kind of holding your, your you know, agents accountable on their calls, is there like, you know, a certain number of calls you like them to make per week and a certain number of conversations you like for them to have per week? Is there like an actual figure or a goal in mind? Yeah. So we try to keep things um, somewhat reasonable, right? So they're reachable and they're hittable. And we also tier things out. So the more sure. production people do, the less we care how many people you talk to inside of our system because mm -hmm. you're finding a way to get business done. And once you hit $10 million in production a year over the last 12 months, we're like, you know what? You're doing something that's working. If maybe it's not showing up in the CRM, maybe it is, but we're, we're off your case. Sure. If you're in the lower tiers, we're looking just for 30 good conversations for the lowest tier, like brand new agents per week, fit per week. Yep. And then 15, if you're producing about 5 million in the rolling 12 months, it's enough to keep things steady. It's enough to keep people active, but not enough that overwhelms them in tough weeks when they're out running around and running and gunning. But we also allow them to set their own goals too. So like, Hey, 30 is the minimum. The board looks pretty dry. Looks like the pipeline looks pretty dry. What's your goal for next week? Do we stick into this 30? No, no, no. I'm going for 60 next week because I see I need more. Awesome. Let's put 60 down here. We'll come back next week when we sit down and we'll see how we did and what got in our way if we didn't get there. So we, we try to keep them baselines to keep them reasonable and enforceable and kind of uh, part of our natural cadence, but then give room to, to the upside. And I think that's an important statistic, right? Is conversations. And if I had to guess, I would say it's one that 90 plus percent of agents are not tracking. I'd say, I'd say 75% of agents probably track no numbers at all. And they just right. get up and, and they pray to God that someone, you know, puts an offer in. Yeah. Um, but I do think that calls and conversations number is going to always be directly related to, you know, top of the line revenue. And I think it's great that you guys, you know, hold each other accountable on those numbers. Um, how many agents are on the team right now? We have 10. 10 agents. That's a big time team. And when you are like looking to bring on an agent, is there any specific quality or experience that you're looking for in them? Yeah, for qualities for sure. Experience, no. Um, I honestly, some of our best agents, I, most of our best agents are brand new when they came to us out of into, into real estate. Um, they, I found that like there's a little extra learning curve there. There's a little extra work to do, but that's not the most important thing, like teaching the MLS and teaching some of the conversations and some of that stuff. Like that's somewhat easy if the person's willing to learn, like has to be, has to be, has to be willing to learn and willing to kind of really yearn for learning, right? Like I want to learn everything and I want to, I want to just soak it all in. I want to learn the experience. I want to learn the language. I want to learn the, the overall, just the ins and outs of real estate. I want to learn everything, right? Like not just looking to come in and stuff happen automatically. Sure. Like they want to learn. The other one is, and I think this is the probably biggest thing for anybody getting into real estate is they have the right perspective on timeline. Like this is, you know, this, this is not an easy job. 
Sure. Like it's, it's so easy to get into real estate, but it's not really easy to be successful at real estate. It has like an 87% failure rate in the first year or whatever the numbers are, right? So if someone comes in, they're like, yeah, I'm super excited. I want to make like 300 grand in the first year from scratch. And I'm just like, let's slow down, guys. Take it easy. There's going to be three or four months of ramp up time where there's going to be a lot of learning, a lot of headaches. There's going to be this, this valley of despair, we call it. You're going to hit it. You're going to feel like I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. And this is someone who's actually working, right? Like if you're coming in and you're half-assing it, you're not even going to hit this valley of despair. You're just going to be in despair the whole time. But like you're going to get in, hit all the numbers, do all the things you're supposed to do. And six weeks in, you're going to go like, what the, I'm working my tail off here right. and nothing's happening. And then a deal's going to come in and then it's going to fall out. And then another deal is going to come in and that one's going to fall out. And then at six months, eight months in, you're going to then start to see pop, 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 all the fruits of your labor. And like if an agent doesn't understand that, if someone coming into the business can't handle that, doesn't have the temperament for that, doesn't have the ability to do the work without expecting the results for a certain amount of time and track a successful day by saying, did I do the things I know I need to do? Not did the results come? Did I, did I do? Not put results. That's the key indicator, I think, in this in this industry to really be successful. Otherwise, you're going to flame out and it's going to come back. Like in year two and three, you're going to have another like up and down, right? Because it's just the nature of the market, the nature of your workflow, your lifestyle. Like you have a kid, you get married, you move, all these things. It's going to happen. If you can't weather that storm, you got no chance, in my opinion. In this love that. I love that. But, you know, if you are hitting your conversation goals, your appointment goals, you know, and all those metrics that lead up to the deal, if you're consistent with those, then your revenue at the end of the year will, will be more consistent than, than, than you believe. But yes, there'll be some ups and downs on, on the way to that final number for four. And of course, a hot market's going to help your revenue go up a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, so 10, 10 agents working um, on your team is that's a big team. And I'm kind of curious because I bet it's a different day than maybe just a single agent like what does the day of a team leader, what does your average day look like? There is no average day. <laughs> is the, I mean, is, the, is there any commonalities or is it just you wake up and you're just putting out fires and solving problems and helping people close deals? So yes and no, right? Like there's some structure, but there has to be flexibility, flexibility in that structure. Uh, so I wake up every day. I text you. I see if you want a coffee on your way to the golf course. You get out there, drinking <laughs> around for a couple hours, and then um, you know the rest of the day's off. And that's Monday through Friday, and it's great. <laughs> right? That's it. That's why you want to run a team. One day. <laughs> that's why you want to run um, a team. Yeah. So you're right. It's a lot of putting out fires, a lot of deal doctoring, and I think it depends on like what stage of the business you're in. And what, something I've learned is that like it's good, things are going to continuously change. You don't always know what's coming next. And it might feel real sloppy and real messy for a while, but it's just a matter of growth, right? So like what I'm doing today, I wasn't doing just six months ago. What I'm going to be doing in six months, I'm not doing today. The cadence change, we hire people to take roles away from me. Those roles, maybe someone doesn't work out. I get that role back and I got to now train a new person onto that, right? So like it's constantly changing. But I think the number one thing that, that I try to do every day is I try to wake up and I try to find opportunity for my agents and I try to find ways to help them convert those opportunities. And that's kind of my guiding light every day. Like, am I doing something that's helping give them more chances to be successful, but also then am I teaching them and helping guide them and helping coach them and hold them accountable to doing that. So like this morning I had four back to back one-on-ones with all, with, with about half the team. Right. So we just went each one, like looked at numbers, looked at what problems they're having, looked at what deals are getting close to the finish line, what deal, Oh, deal fell out. Let's talk about options and ways to triage that and get that back together to the closing table. 
what's the plan for the after after the basics we're doing like our our conversations or dials what are we doing secondarily are we hitting social media is that our goal are we circle dialing is open houses our focus do we have a system around it do we have a plan around it to those be successful in it right so it's a lot of those type of conversations um it's a lot of webinars a lot of conferences a lot of coaching calls a lot of like learning to see around the corners so while my agents are in the day-to-day if there's a new lead source coming if there's a new technology coming if there's chat gpt coming that needs to be worked into our business and our flow somehow how can i find that and bring that to them in the next team meeting or roll that into our director of operations kind of workflow so she can start bringing that into into the play to support the agents as well so a lot of it, like some days I wake up, my calendar's pretty clear and I have a lot of time to go do that research, catch up on stuff that I want to learn about and figure out ways to get them implemented into the business. And other days it's like call, 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 meeting, meeting, call, call, meeting, call, call, like an awesome meeting with new agents who want to join the team and are interested in exploring real estate from scratch or maybe they're somewhere else and they need a new fit and we're having those conversations too on a, on a regular basis. So Very all cool. of them. You and not enough golf. Yeah, not enough golf. golf. Okay, now I think I understand why every time I text you to play golf, you can't play. <laughs> I think I get it now. <laughs> my, my goal for this year is to only recruit golfers to the team as agents because then I figure we could do our one-on-ones on the golf course yes. or, or the driving range or something. For sure. You know, it's actually a good idea. There's plenty of time to chat out there about business. I mean, right. when we played uh, together, we were talking business the whole time for like two and a half hours. So I think that's actually a solid plan. That, you know, I, I, I like that general mindset, though. Your guiding light is find your agents more opportunities and then coach them up on how to convert those opportunities better. Like that is the guiding light of a team leader. And I think it's the guiding light that every team leader should really take. Right. Am I getting my agents enough at bats and am I helping them to convert those at bats? Right. Very cool. Very cool Thanks, stuff, man. Jeff. Um, so, I mean, boy, 10 agents, you've got people that are really following your lead, not just from like a coaching standpoint, but also just from an energy standpoint and a work ethic standpoint, right? Like if they see yeah. you up kicking butt every day, getting stuff done, working your tail off, then they're going to be inspired to do the same thing. But, you know, you're a human being like the rest of us. I'm sure you wake up on a Tuesday morning once in a while and you don't feel like taking all these coaching calls and you don't feel like finding new opportunities for your agents. You just kind of feel like, I don't know, getting a coffee and walking down Washington Street and watching the birds. Yeah. When you feel resistance to work, if you ever do, um, you know, what do you say to yourself or how do you work through that resistance and continue to push forward and get things done? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, um, first of all, I think it's good to acknowledge like, I feel like a lot of people while they're trying to build and when they're trying to grow, maybe they're in the early days of their career, entrepreneurship, whatever, like they feel like that's not the case for people who, who are succeeding. And it's damn sure the case for everybody, <laughs> like everybody. I was listening to a Tim Ferriss uh, podcast the other day and I think he was talking about someone, billionaire, friend, some blah, 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 blah. And he was like, it's frustration and, and people who don't really feel like they're doing the right thing all the way up, all the way to Elon. Like sure. that's, that's just... I think knowing that and understanding that is 90% of the battle because then you give yourself freedom to say, it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to be frustrated today. It's okay to not want to get up and light the world on fire every single day because it's natural and it's human. And everyone's not, all the successful people aren't doing that, but they're finding a way to win most of their days, right? Don't use it as an excuse, but also don't beat yourself up and then commit, start a, a downward spiral because of that feeling, right? So I think that's, that's super key. Um, I was recently just at a conference a few weeks ago and Brendan Burchard was speaking from stage. Who's He's, you know, uh, that's great. I'm, I'm jealous. You got to see him live. I've, I've read a bunch of his books. He's a, he's a tremendous coach. Unbelievable. Right. And he did one of the keynotes 
And he was talking about, like, I've been in Super Bowl locker rooms. I coach Fortune 500 CEOs. He's kind of just, like, making sure we all know, like, that he's dealing with the top of the top, the top of the top. And he's like, and I'm going to tell you the secret that everyone has in common. And you guys are going to all hate me because it's not big enough. It's not, like, earth-shattering enough. And he's like, they all have the ability to control their morning, their afternoon, their evening, whatever the routine, whatever their anchor is, they all have an anchor that brings them into peak performance state as often as humanly possible. And some of them it's meditating and some of them it's journaling and some of them it's working out and some of them it's their health and nutrition and some of them it's, you know, you know taking walks, whatever those things are. Everyone has like three to five things that they know center them that can bring them back to a peak performance state. Because if you're not in a peak performance state, if you're not if your mind energy and your body energy are not high enough at a level that is going to get you into a place where you can take action and execute and do the things that you know you need to do, it's not about knowing what those things are. It's about doing them, right? I think Tony Robbins said, like, if, if information was the, the problem, we'd all have billion dollars in six-pack app. It's not right. the information. It's <laughs> the execution of it, right? A hundred percent. So he said, you got to really sit down and you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, like, what are these things and test things, right? And like, I know for myself, like, if I wake up early, I got to work out in and I journal, like just a blank piece of paper, just get my thoughts out, get my insecurities out, get my things I'm excited about out, get all the things in between, just like let the ideas dump. I just have a day that's infinitely more pro productive and effective than if I kind of wake up with no plan. I don't get my blood pumping. I don't get my, my thoughts right. You know, and I kind of don't, I don't get up before the kids get up and like they hit, I love the death out of them, right? I want to bring them to school every day. I want to pick them up every day as, as early as I can. Yeah. But if they start my day with daddy, can we blah, 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 blah. And I don't have an hour to like work into my day. It's, it's not a good day. And I gotta, I gotta recover. It takes me time. It takes me a couple hours to get to save that day maybe rather than having the, the runway into it. So nice. I think, it's, I don't think it's a blanket statement, right? I think everyone's got a different charge up, a different thing that works. And I think you just got to find it and then try to do it as many times as you can. You know, I try like to that. keep it consistent you, as possible. You've got to have those one or two or three habits that you anchor yourself in that, that you know get you to that peak state place where you're going to be able to churn out that to-do list and do what you got to do. And if you don't get up and you don't do whatever it is, the meditation, the exercise, the journaling, it's almost like you're going into battle without putting your armor on, you know, yeah. you're really just running right into the fire with no preparation, which is not a winning um, sustainable formula. I, I want to kind of drill into the journaling, though, for a second, because I think that's a habit that a lot of people realize is probably beneficial for us. But mm -hmm. we also kind of struggle to maintain it um, when you journal. Uh, just to get super granular with it, do you journal freehand? Is it just a brain dump? Is there any structure to it at all? Like, do you write down a few things you're grateful for? Or is it really just kind of free mind, like, you know, writing out what you're thinking at that time? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great question. Um, and I think it changes right now, probably for the last year, it's been freehand. I use an app called Morning Pages. It literally just, you open it up every day and it's a blank sheet and you can put 250 or 500 words or whatever you want, like the number to be for it to kind of cue you to do and kind of stop you and give you like a, you know, guideline to work through. And I just go, I'm just like, what the heck's on my mind? Like, am I feeling great today? And I'm going to get all these awesome, great ideas out and all these things I'm excited about, or am I feeling like totally overwhelmed that I need to dump the 13 things that are in my mind running around in circles and I need to kind of get them on paper so I can look at them and just feel like they're out right and and just it's for me right now it's working and i've done the ones where it's like five things you're grateful for three things you want to get done today your number one priority and i've, I've been in that 
cadence before and I found you know a lot of value out of that as well. Um, but I think it depends on what you need at the time. And right now for me, like that free hand, free flowing kind of stream of consciousness is just the thing that's energizing me and, and getting my mind right. Nice. I love that. And you said it's an app. So is this on like a, like an iPad you're writing freehand with like the, the pen that goes with the iPad or. Oh, uh, no, it's uh so it's typing, but freehand. Oh, typing. Free hand, okay. Got as it. far as uh, uh, no structure to nice. the conversation and the, or the, the notes that are coming out. I love that. Very cool. And I think that is probably something that I think a lot of us have tried those structured journals, right? With the three tasks you want to get done today, something you're grateful for, yada, yada. But maybe just getting up and writing what's on your mind every day is a more sustainable model. I think that might be the case for a lot of people. I think you hit on something big there too. And sustainability is huge, right? So like I said, it has a 250 or 500 word kind of like, you know, cue that it points Mm -hmm. you to. But if you can who, who, I'm just like a collection of, of quotes and like things I've read, right? That's, That's all great. It's okay. We, we love quotes, you know, whether yeah. they're from Anchorman or whether they're, you know, stoicism, we'll, 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 we'll take them all on this show. Yeah. <laughs> it is like, what, what drives you? What, what, what thoughts are you having in your head? Garbage in, garbage out, right? If you can put the right thoughts in, you're going to drive your life and your decision-making by good thoughts and proactive and positive things. It's James Clear from Atomic Habits. He talks about well, you kind of look like James Clear from Atomic Habits. What is Actually, he? A, was he a bald guy? Let me guess. He's a bald guy. Yeah, I know. Because all, all us bald guys just look the same. <laughs> that's I'm, like, I'm like, he's going to call me out. I'm being yeah. having shaved head. Thanks, Jeff. No, he's a very good looking bald guy. Appreciate it, dude. I, I'm just going to shock the world one day. I'm going to put on one of those fancy toupees that they blend in with your hair. And I, I'm just going to have hair one day. And everyone's, oh. just gonna have to, everyone's just going to have to deal with that. <laughs> he's very good. Good looking, in shape, personable, bald guy. All right. All right great. There you go. Better. I'd save good. myself. Nice, Sam. Anyway. All right. Uh, <laughs> he talks about uh, making the habit so small that it's almost hard not to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So some days I'll get, and never missing twice, never missing two days in a row. And some days I'll get up and like the kids are up already, or I hear, rum- hear them rumbling and I got a late start or whatever it is. I'm like two sentences, like checking the box today. This will keep momentum going, blah, 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 boom, and I'm done, right? And that's not my ideal day, but somehow mentally I have like, I feel better about that. It Mm -hmm. feels like I have a congruency. I have a consistency. I at least made an effort. Um, Another thing I have like hanging on my wall right here is like one of the simplest ways, I'll read one of the simplest ways to win is always connect the small things you do to the larger thing you accomplish, you want to accomplish. Five minutes can be spent working on something trivial or working on something life-changing, right? So like, those five minutes stack, you know, they compound. hundred so. percent. Yeah. And I love that. Sure. If you're really trying to ingrain habits, even if you're only meditating for, you know, three minutes that day, it's, it's so much better than skipping it because just by putting in those three minutes, you're so much more likely to do it tomorrow. And maybe sure. tomorrow you'll have more time for a more legitimate meditation uh, session. Sure. Um, and, you know, you were kind of touching on this a little bit there as far as like keeping your thoughts productive and, and upbeat and positive. Um, a lot of people I talk to on the show, they have like a mantra or two that they kind of anchor themselves to. Let's say it's like one o'clock and they're struggling to get get through their day. They might have one or two things that they consistently say to themselves in these moments to kind of push through and continue to get things done. Like, do you have any self-talk that you find yourself repeating to yourself on a regular basis to kind of keep yourself pushing forward? Yeah. I, uh, I think about if I used to be me, but now I've actually transferred it to my kids. And it's a, it was the, it's the thought of, would I be proud of what I'm doing in this moment? And now I think about, would my kids be proud 
of what I'm doing in this moment, right? Because my six-year-old, I don't know if you know this, he's obsessed with golf beyond being obsessed with golf. And that Love kid it. wants to play golf with me every single day. And I tell him, bro, I'm going to work. I got to do this, I can do that. But what I'm doing is I'm working towards a life where me and you, by the time you're eight, nine, 10 years old, I'm picking you up from school every day and we're going straight to the golf course, straight to the country club. We're going straight, like, we're do that's what we're doing. And I, when I hit that lull and I'm like ready to pick up YouTube or Instagram or something. And like, I know I got this project now. I don't want to freaking do that project. Cause it's a pain in the neck and it's like vague. And I got to really sit and think and sit in that place. Right. That like that uncomfortable place that we always try to avoid. And sure. that you know, quick dopamine hit is right here in my hand. I'm like, is, would Bradley be happy right now? Is this moving me towards playing golf with Bradley every day, which is my ultimate goal is having the freedom to be able to wrap things up every day at two o'clock and spend the rest of the afternoon with them, take summers off, have the leverage in place. And most of my projects that are giving me resistance are things that create leverage, create the business growing, can create the organization moving in the right direction. So I just, I, when I'm successful, that's what I think about. I think about when I'm successful in that moment, right? And do the right thing is that's usually what drives me there is like, if I was standing outside my body looking at me, would I be like, good job? Or would I be like, dude, come on, let's go. And now it's golf with Brad and Bryce. That is that. great advice. When you feel that midday resistance to keep pushing forward, take a step uh, externally and look at yourself from a third person view and you know, say to yourself, would I be proud of myself right now for, for doing that, that thing, whatever it is that's going to take you away from your work and then really tapping into your why and you know, what, what's your five, 10 year vision for your life? You know, where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing with your days five, seven, 10 years from now? And I think Tony Robbins said, it, right. We all kind of um, overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in 10. And I think if we just keep in mind that 10 year vision, it can really keep us pushing forward on a daily basis. That's like, that's awesome. Awesome yeah. advice, Jeff. And I use that um, reverse too, right? Like if you look back and you're feeling frustrated, like I want to be here, but I'm only here. Well, look back 10 years. Right. What would 10 years ago, Jeff or Brett said about where they're sitting today, 10 years later, like you've done something, right? So keep your head down, keep moving, keep doing the things you need to do. And it's not going to be instantaneous and you have proof of it if you just look backwards. That's a good point. You got to keep track of your wins, you know, to keep yourself motivated and, and, and pressing forward. I think it's so easy as an entrepreneur that's trying to do big things to always be focused on that next thing, that next thing, that next thing. What's that next mountain that we can climb yeah. where if you don't take time to look back on what you've done, it's going to be tough to keep yourself pressing forward. I think that's that, that's really powerful. We're style. wired that way. You know, we're wired. That's why we are entrepreneurs. And that's why we're, we're able to be in this kind of world. And sometimes we need to unwire that just a touch. Just, just a, a touch. little bit of self-compassion, a little bit of relaxation to, to be able to stay sane, to keep moving forward. Right? No, I love it. That's totally true. And, I, you know, you are a guy that's, you know, getting a lot of stuff done on a daily basis. I'm always kind of curious as to how like high producers, super high productive people organize their tasks. Are you a guy that kind of just mostly, you know, of course, the meetings and things like that are blocked off. But like, let's say like you have to work on a project or you've got some things you have to do. Do you work off of a to-do list? Are you more of like a time blocker? Like, do you like to block out your entire calendar or are you just more of a guy like, give me 10 things to do and I'll just hammer them out? Yeah, a little bit of everything, unfortunately. I wish I was more dialed in, organized. Like, this is one of the things I, th I think about, I work on, I try to optimize for that I feel like is probably one of my biggest weaknesses, obviously, honestly. And um, right now, like, I work mostly out of my inbox. My inbox is like my central source of truth, right? Like I never let anything get past my inbox. So what I found to be successful, which is probably a really shitty way to do things, but it's how I do it right now is 
I'll put that project in my inbox and leave it like as a draft. So when yeah. I get through everything else, because I'm crazy about not having any unread, unanswered, any you know unresponded emails, ah, uh, cool, they're all gone. Good, my my project is there, and the draft and the links and everything that was right that I'm working on to where I need to be is in my inbox. I mean, ideally, it's in my calendar, and I'm ignoring my inbox, and I'm saying at twelve to two, like I'm working on that project, and that project is time blocked there, and the links are there, and some, you know, a repeating calendar invite to myself where I can kind of stay organize what I find is like, I'm just addicted to my inbox. And I want to make sure that no one's ever waiting on a response from me. And sure. if I can't unwind that, which I've tried to, and I'm still working on it, and someday maybe I will, I might as well lean into it mm -hmm. and put use it as my most leverage of where my projects live there. I think when, well. you're leading, when you're leading a team and you've got 10 agents that are, you know, looking to you for, you know, advice or, or deal doctoring on a daily basis, it's, it's a different type of situation, you know, where maybe you can't just like shut yourself off from the world for four hours and work on projects. Like you kind of need to be there. Like you're the problem solver, you know, at the end of the day, when a problem comes yeah. up, people are looking to you to solve that problem and in real estate, you know, nothing kills a deal like time. So sometimes you need that advice and you need it right now. You don't need it three hours from now because three hours from now that deal might be gone. So I, sure. you know, I, I think as far as like being a team leader with so many people depending on you, I think that, you know, working out of your inbox in that fashion probably makes a little bit more sense that maybe it might make for a single agent that doesn't have anyone depending on him at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's all like relative, right? Because like at that single agent, the clients are depending on them at that point. Right. So like that, and I think that's where this bred from, from whatever I picked it up 10, 11 years ago, when I got into real estate, I realized that one of the things that I can do as a new agent, you know, I was at the time, my late twenties, so not super young, but young enough where like there were way more seasoned people and I had no experience, right. I was kind of getting into and just hustling. And I realized that I respond within 30 seconds to every email, text and phone call from a client for a lead from anything. That's going to separate me because that busy agent who's got 50 deals going right now can't do that. So I can be, I can separate myself there. And I sure. did that for so long, it kind of became part of how I operate. And it's now the same feeling back to my agents, back to anyone, right? Like just kind of that feeling of always wanting to respond so quickly that people are almost blown away by it. And then it's hard to unwind that. So I think that's why I tell all my new agents, I'm like, you should be responding at 10 o'clock at night for a few years. Go ahead. Like, yeah, control your schedule. You know, make sure your clients respect you. All those good things are fun and everything, but you want to kill it and crush it in a few years from now, or do you want to have boundaries for a few years? You can pick. It might take you five years with your boundaries, but it'll take you two years without your boundaries. And if you don't have kids yet and you're running around and you're just hustling, maybe that's the approach. And then you can unwind it later, right? Start sure. setting boundaries and things I like think that. that's good advice. I, I agree. First few years in real estate, you've just got to be doing full court press on every single possession. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, there is, there is how far the lead is like, you got to go, you got to learn, you got to use this opportunity. You got to practice, get your, your skill honed, you know? Right. You need reps. You need reps yeah. in this business as much as, uh, you know, you need reps on negotiation, reps on showing, reps on phone calls, because it's the only way you're going to get better. It's a super competitive industry and there's always someone out there coming for your market share. And if you are yeah. not getting those reps in, then you're, you're not going to be able to compete. So just from like back to like a marketing standpoint for a moment, because I know this is kind of your bread and butter and you, you really, you know, you know how to market the business. Um, is there anything that you'd say is kind of like low hanging fruit that a lot of agents that you see aren't doing? Maybe it's newsletters, maybe it's social media, maybe it's mailers, just like things that you think almost every agent should be doing, but a lot of them are not doing. Yeah, I think 
the biggest thing that you can do to be impactful. Um, and it does, the mode of doing it doesn't matter as much. And maybe there's a more preferred mode, but I think it's making sure that the people who already know and like you, especially as for new agents, make sure they can now trust you with real estate. Because mm -hmm. I think so many people come into real estate and like the number one thing I get from so many new agents is I'm going to start a new Facebook page or a new Instagram account just for real estate. And like you have 5,000 people who already know and like you in your personal page. Now let's just start talking about real estate there and leveraging what the team's doing, leveraging what you're learning, leveraging all the power and connections that you now have to help them trust you with real estate. So like, how can, like, there's so many, like, I want the new Zillow lead. I want the new pay-per-click lead. I want to do the open house. I want a cold call. I want to start a YouTube channel and start like, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, that's all great. Let's do those things. But like, there's so many people who already know and like you that if they just can trust you, that you know what you're doing with real estate would be an instant call for a referral, doing a deal for themselves or finding someone in Ohio to sell someone's house because you're, you're the knowledge broker about real estate. You got a referral check, right? Like there's so much resistance to that. I feel because it's not sexy. It's not new enough. It's not like exciting enough. And it's scary probably too, right? Like you're like going out to people who already know you and kind of putting yourself out on a limb of like, you know, this is who I am now. This is what I'm doing now and asking for business yeah. or do that. So I, that's the one thing that I see the agents who like six months in are like, Oh, all this business is coming to me all of a sudden. They're the ones who did that stuff. And the sure. ones that are constantly chasing leads, chasing leads, chasing leads are the ones that were like, how much time did we spend? curating our, our people who already know and like us, like not, well, kind of makes sense. You know, I, now, kinda, and I think that's so true, right? Of course the, the new business is important, but you got to spend a lot of focus on cultivating your own network. When you're coaching these 10 agents on cultivating their network, is there any specific like amount of touch points you want them to make? Are you, are you like, let's say that there's a hundred people in this person's sphere. Should they be calling all those people once a year, getting face to face with them once a year, texting them once a quarter? Like, is there like a system that you have in place that you would yep. like your agents to use as far as network cultivation? Yeah. So we have the CRM set up. So as we ask everyone to come as a new agent with 200 people, right? Mm -hmm. Just have to have 200 people. There's 200 people, you know, and like, and let's just start there, bring them, put them in the database. We're going to classify them in such a way that they're going to get prompted to you to talk to every 90 days. So for the first quarter, I want you to talk to five of these people a day. And over the first quarter, they're going to, five will come back to you. The next because they will come back every 90 days into your cadence, right? So one quarterly text, call, Facebook message. I don't care what it is. And I don't care. So, what so you don't mind if it's a text to over a call, you're not like pushing them to call these people as opposed to text them. I'm not, I'm not. And maybe that like five, 10 years ago, it was a little bit different where text wasn't as ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. um, I also like just look at myself and if my insurance guy or my financial advisor or something like that calls me once a quarter and wants to get on the phone and talk, I'm kind of like, dude, I get it, man. I'll refer people to you when I, when I can. But if he shoots me a text like, hey, man, you see that Rutgers game? Because he knows I'm a Rutgers fan. Mm -hmm. I'm way more happy with that quick text conversation. I'm thinking of him just as much for the next person. That needs, that needs me because the other two things that we're going to do is we're going to hit him 52 emails a year with our newsletter, with things that we're doing with relevant Hoboken information, relevant real estate information, you know, blue ocean, red ocean, where we're not always talking about real estate. We're talking about other things. And we're also going to hit him on social media. We'd better be friends and following them all on Instagram. And when we're posting two to five, 10 times a week, hopefully stories, everything like that, we're seeing, they're seeing us there as well. So they don't need us to be constantly calling them having long conversation because they feel like I do. We talk what once every six months. I feel like I know you like we talk every day because you post so much. 
and it's cool content. I love watching it. So yes, like I that, appreciate that, yeah. And how many referrals do we send back and forth to each other because of that? We don't you know, talk as much as we hope we can more in the future, especially on the golf course. Um, <laughs> all right. So like all those things layer in. So I'm cool with the text. And we've actually like too. anytime you have a client looking for something in a, in a neighborhood and you have a past client or a relative or a friend there, find a reason to text that friend and say, Hey, I have a client looking in XYZ town. How do you like the schools? What's your new favorite restaurant? I'd love to like impress my new client and tell them about blah, 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 blah. So now you're like asking them for something cool, engaging with them, telling them, don't forget I'm in business here. Right? It's not like a, a slap in the face, super aggressive, scary. Do you know anyone looking to buy or sell real estate in the next few months kind of, kind of conversation? Um, so there's more than one way to kind of stay top of mind and stay relevant without like having to be phone calls in my mind. That's a great system. And I think it's simple. And I think it's something that an agent can implement, you know, pretty easily, right? It's just like a three pronged approach, touch, touch base with them every 90 days, just shoot them a text, something personal about them, something that shows them that you care and that you see them as an individual human being, and then send them a newsletter every week, stuff that they're actually going to be interested in real estate wise, Hoboken wise, things like that. And then be a presence on social media. So they see yep. you as that market expert. They know that you're still in business. And I totally agree. If agents would just do those three things with their network, they'd probably have, you know, more business that, that, than they could even work with it. But, you know, yeah. besides bringing in new business from pay-per-click leads, like just doing that with your network is, is it would be a really solid approach. That's um, so what we talk whenever I'm like talking to a new agent, joining the team and they're like, what is look, what working on the team look like? You know, what, what is that? What, what's the goal in a year or two? from my perspective, like if I had an ideal way to get someone onboarded and get them in, into production, it's like, if you're brand new, like we're going to get you a ton of new business. There's this prong of new business. Where we're going to focus on this. And this is where we're going to get a lot of our immediate results from. But then there's this other prong that's going to be shorter in the beginning that we're going to grow and we're going to continue to grow this prong. And that's your people that you already know and like you. And as you're doing more business, there's going to be more people going into that. It's going to get bigger and we're going to focus on it. We're going to talk to these people. We're going to nurture these people. We're going to love these people because now, five, seven, eight years into the business, whatever it was when Red and I stopped working with new leads, we can get more business than we can handle without any new business generation. Right? It's only people. So like, that's what I want for everyone on our team, anyone that's gone connected to in real estate. Like, how can I teach you, help you to leverage this, this new business prong, to build this prong and focus on nurturing and watering and growing this, this, this prong as much as possible so that you don't need this one anymore. Now you just do 20, $30 million a year in production, have amazing clients. Everyone you work with knows you already, wants to work with you, is excited to work with you. There's no convincing people. There's no all that stuff after three or four years of, of really focusing on that approach. Like that, that's when the business gets fun. Oh, 100%. When you're just going out with referrals and people that already trust you, you know, it, it, you know, you're showing homes to a friend at that point. It really feels like you're out there shopping with friends and it's it's a really not nice place to be. And I think it's the place every agent wants to go, to be eventually. Um, so, so anyway, this has been awesome. I got one question that I end on a lot, uh, especially when I'm talking to someone who's like leading the team or obviously is just super passionate about their life, which you are, you're obviously doing what you love right now. Um, uh, what, what would you say to someone that's maybe got a big dream in their hearts, their minds, maybe they're working a, a, a job they don't love currently. They want to start a business. They want to become an agent. They want to be their own boss, but they're not going after it. They feel stuck. How do mm -hmm. they get unstuck? Um, the one thing, I, two things I'd say is one is you need to be micro impatient with the things that you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. 
in a micro environment, you need to be impatient and make sure you're doing the things that you need to be done and know what they are, find it, figure it out, identify it, work with someone who can help and guide you, whatever it is. And then once you do that, be macro patient with the results. And I stole that one from Gary Vee, yes. And it's a matter of like not needing the results today because if I think the biggest reason that people get stuck is like I tried something for a week or two I didn't get the results I want and I stopped and you're never going to get to where you want to be if you have a big dream if you want to do something that's tough if you want to do something that's hard if you can't do something consistently let the effects compound let the skill sets compound let the results compound and wait for those results I think that's huge and I think the second thing is no all or nothing thinking. And this is something I'm learning very late in life. My 96 year old grandfather has been telling me for 38 years, Jeffrey, everything in moderation. Don't <laughs> just like, don't just do it all or nothing. Just, you can do it in moderation, just, just little by little. No, oh my God. no carbs or like I'm eating pizza every night. It's right. like, <laughs> I've been there for sure. Like that's how I've been forever. And this, the last year or so of my life, I realized like, damn man, don't slice the other three tires because you got a flat tire, right? Like if something bad happens, you don't get your journaling and you don't get your workout in, have four hours of a good day rather than seven or eight, right? Like don't be all or nothing thinking because I feel like we throw so much good after bad energy if we insist on having to be perfect or not doing anything at all, right? I, I think love that's that. that. That's a really good mindset. And I've fallen into that myself in the past. If it's not an A plus day, it's going to be a D minus day, you know? Right. And and that's just not the way that really high performers and people that do great things, you know, see life, right? I think Brendan Burchard had a, to mention Brendan again. He's got a lot of these great quotes. He was like, you know, not every day has to be a masterpiece, but you got to get a little bit of paint on the canvas every single day. Awesome. And I'm like, and I'm like, that's powerful stuff, right? Maybe today you're not feeling it and you're not going to kill it on all fronts, but get at least a couple hours of work done, push the ball forward on the major projects that mean something to you. And every single day, you know, keep taking at least some type of micro action. Cause like yeah. you said earlier, that's going to compound over the next five to 10 years. Definitely. It, it's without a doubt, man. What I, I used to have this like mindset, I have to do a 45 minute workout or I'm not doing it at all. And I like, I don't know, a few months ago, maybe six months ago said, you know what, screw it. As long as it's 15 minutes, I'm going to do something. And magically, I went from one day of working out a week to six days of working out a week. And most of those days were 45 minutes anyway, right? right. It was just it was crazy. So it, it is, there's a lot of this all or nothing thinking. Um, just take the action, right? Don't overthink it. Don't need it to be perfect. Have enough information that you, you feel comfortable that you're doing the right thing. And then just go out and take that action as consistently as you can. And don't, don't, let, the, don't let one setback become 12 for no reason. Totally true. Jeff, thank you for fitting us into your day, man. I know you're a busy guy. I'm sure you've got some fires to go put out the second you get off of this call. Um, you post great content on a, on a regular basis. You know, where can the audience follow you on social media, your website, all that good stuff so they can keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, it's either my personal stuff is just my name, Jeff Bonk, on everything out there, Facebook, Instagram, things like that. And the group, you know, a lot of the content kind of overlaps. It's the HBB group um, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, you can find us anywhere there. If you Google us, hopefully the SEO and pay-per-click stuff brings up our stuff and uh, brings you to the right places. Excellent stuff, Jeff. Th thank you, man. And thank you, everyone, for listening today. I'm sure you got a lot of good, actionable tidbits today. But what I want you to do is pick the one that really speaks to you and put it into action today. I am Brett McDermott. We will see you next week. And until then, guys, let's do big things.